Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Oh, come on, church. Haven't we had a good time already? Oh, man. Uh, Well, we love you guys so much. It's good to be back here with you guys. Y'all had too much fun without me last week with Pastor Daniel Eric Gross, but didn't he crush it? I mean, wasn't it great? Uh, But it's good to be back with you guys, and uh, not just here at Lakeland, but I know all of us here at Lakeland want to give it up for those across town at Highland Colony. Can we give it up for them? We love you, church. Uh, And you don't want to miss it. This Wednesday night, we're having a revival night at our Highland Colony campus. It's at 7 p.m. It's open to all who want to come. And so if you haven't been over that campus yet and you want to check it out, uh, Wednesday at 7, minimal child care will be provided, but there will be some child care. Uh, And uh, it's just a time for us to kind of press into the things of God. So we'd love to have you guys out there. We're going to have a great time. Uh, And at our Highland Colony campus today, we have our outreach truck. Uh, I know here at the Lakeland campus, we saw that last week where we have a truck now that we can collect resources here and then send it when there are disasters in our area. And you guys respond so well, and people brought so much, and we were able to embrace a community and love on them in the name of the Lord. And now this week, our Highland Colony campus is filling up a tractor trailer filled with goods. Uh, And so feel free at the end of the service, if you haven't gotten anything for that, go next door to Costco, get something, bring it there, fill up the truck. Uh, But we're going to have a great time just showing the love of Jesus through that outreach truck, and we're very thankful for that. Uh, And can all of us here at our physical campuses. Can we give it up for everyone who's watching online? No matter where you're watching from, we love you, church, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see you real soon. So we're in a series entitled, These Scars Speak. And what we're we're talking about is how our Lord and our Savior Jesus still has his wounds. That even in his resurrected body, he still has the, the, the holes in his hands. And he still has the hole in his side. That with his resurrection, it did not heal his wounds, it did not heal his scars, because God wanted these scars to speak and to teach us about God's love for us and his redemptive work in those specific areas of our lives. How many of you know, because Jesus wore a crown of thorns, I do not have to have a spirit of fear, heaviness, or depression. I can have a spirit of love and power and a sound mind because of what Jesus did for me. And because of the spear in Jesus' side, how many of you know, I don't have to walk around with a broken heart. Uh, that the things that pierce my heart, that God is big enough to bind up the wounds. Come on, somebody. God is big enough to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. And this week we're talking about the stripes on Jesus's back, that because of what Jesus endured with that, our bodies can be made whole. So we're talking about healing. And the first point I wanna make with this is point number one, God is your father. Do any of you have kids? 
Uh, any of you have, oh, come on, I know you got kids. Anybody have kids? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I have three kids. In fact, uh, today I am wearing a These Scar Speak sweatshirt because I, I promised the people who designed this, which is our staff, that I would do more to rep their work. Uh, and so I am wearing a sweatshirt that is available at both locations. Uh, but I, I didn't feel like I, I had cool enough shoes uh, to kind of, you know, do justice uh, to this outfit. And so I've got a 13-year-old who just happens to wear the same size shoe as me. Uh, and I raided his closet uh, and put them on, which made me feel incredibly old and outdated. Uh, but uh, here we are today, and I have kids, and I love my children. I can remember when my daughter was born, uh, seeing her for the very first time. Maybe some of you who are parents kind of remember this moment. I felt a love that I had never felt before. Uh, I had fallen in love with their mother, and in that relationship, I found a love that I had never found before. That level of romance and, and life coming from that was different from a, a love that I had found in a friendship or from parents. But when I came, became a parent, I found a love that I didn't even know existed in me. And it was so protective in nature. Our firstborn was a little girl, and it's funny, the psychology of like when a, a boy is born, it's like, go get him, tiger. Uh, and when a girl is born, it's like, wait a minute, uh, stay away from all the tigers. Uh, it's just so, you know, in this moment, you just feel uh, the need to be protective. And throughout my children growing up, I now have a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old. There have been times where they have wrestled with things. Uh, they have wrestled with things at school that have affected their mind. Uh, and I so wish in those moments that I could take their place and just solve their, their, their issues there. And there have been moments where they have wrestled with things in relationships uh, that have pierced their heart. And every time I wanted to just take their place. And there have been times most definitely where their physical bodies were inflicted with some type of disease. Uh, and some type of sickness. And there has never been a time, ever, and I, I kid you not, ever, there has never been a time where they have been inflicted with some type of pain in their physical body where I have not wanted to take their place. Uh, that as their father, uh, I would rather have it be on me than on them. Can any of you relate to that? Uh, that I, I, would, I would rather have me face that and overcome that than for them to have to. And in the context of scripture, you must understand that God is your father. Uh, in the book of Matthew, and let's turn there. I know so oftentimes we have it on the screens and it'll be on the screens, but let's turn there in our physical Bibles as well. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27 and then we'll go over to the book of Isaiah. But in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46, uh, we're going to see something here that is very interesting. Uh, Jesus is on the cross, and he says this in verse number 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, uh, and I'm not even going to try it, uh, what he said in Hebrew, but thankfully, they gave it to us in English. Uh, so we'll get to that part. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus on the cross. One of his final words is, my God, my God, 
why have you forsaken me? Now, this ought to be underlined, highlighted in your Bible, and here's why. This is the only time Jesus ever called God, God. The only time. Every other time, do you know what Jesus called God? Exactly. Who's your pastor? Come on. I heard it so loud and clear here at the Lakeland campus. Every other time uh, Jesus referred to God, he called him Father. That Jesus came to show the fatherhood of God. Why is this the case? Because from Genesis to Malachi, all people knew of God was God, Jehovah this great, all-powerful deity in the heavens that perfection can only reach. That if you are spotted with anything in the world, um, you are not worthy to approach his throne. Therefore, the clean will have to die for the unclean. Um, that all throughout the Old Testament, they only saw him through this light, and Jesus came to reveal the Father. That God was not just a deity, who only wants to be touched by perfection. That the heart of God has always been fatherhood. Uh, this is why Satan attacks family so hard and this is why I've never met anybody who had what they considered to be a perfect family. And the reason why is the first commandment, literally, the first commandment to man was not don't eat that fruit. The first commandment of man was be fruitful and multiply. It was start a family because the father has always wanted a family. The fatherhood essence uh, that you feel as parents to protect your children, to watch over your children, to even trade places with your children is the exact same thing that God feels and it's why you feel it. You were made in his image and in his likeness. And what God is doing here in this moment is Jesus is discovering God as God so that you could discover God as father. That the weight of your sin and my sin was laid upon Jesus because the wages of sin is death. And all throughout the Old Testament, sin had to fall on a spotless lamb that was a physical lamb. Here, sin was fallen on a, a spotless lamb who was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when sin came on him, the judgment of God came on him so that God would be God to Jesus, so that God could be Father to you and I today. That the trespasses of our sin would not count against us any longer, and all who call upon the name of Jesus and receive that sacrifice can be adopted into the family of God and receive a spirit, Paul said. I love this. Paul said, and receive a spirit that calls Abba Father. What does your spirit say of God? He calls him Abba, Father. And I, I love this terminology because Father in that, in that text means the one who birthed you. But how many of you know there are people who birthed you that weren't a dead to you? Abba means the highest form of intimacy of Father. So God did not just born you. God did not just give birth again. God did not just have you in his family and then leave you. God not only wants to be your father, God wants to be your daddy. He wants to be your protector. He wants to be your defender. He wants intimacy with his children. And the reason why he can have it is because of what Jesus did for us. God is our father. And just like you would do anything to take things off your children's mind, God would do anything to set you free from depression. How many of you believe depression has to go in Jesus' name? 
I'm so thankful for everything we have in life that helps us cope, but how many of you know Jesus wants us to do more than cope? Jesus wants us to heal. Jesus wants us to be delivered. Jesus wants us to be set free. It's gotta go in Jesus' name. But, but why did he suffer that? Because he's our father. Uh, why did he take a spear to his side? Because he's our father. Why did he have stripes put on his back? Because Jesus shows us the fatherhood nature of God. God is our father. Point number two, Jesus is my healer. Not only is God our father, but Jesus is our healer. Let's go over the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll look here in verse number one. Uh, here in Isaiah 53, we see the prophet Isaiah seeing into the future and seeing Jesus. Uh, he sees his birth, and then he sees his crucifixion. And not just his crucifixion, he is seeing his pain. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that what Jesus suffered on his way to the cross was so horrific uh, and so brutal in nature uh, that all who looked at him couldn't. That you would have to turn your face away from that. Have you ever seen something so painful that you just couldn't watch it anymore? Uh, seen something so brutal that you just had to turn away? God would say unto us, see Jesus. He was so broken through these things that he literally could not carry his own cross. He was disfigured, the Bible t teaches us, from the pain in which he endured. And my question to you all is this, why? In order to take us to heaven, all Jesus had to do was die and be resurrected. Through his resurrection, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. That death no longer would have any sting because of the resurrection. All Jesus had to do to take you to heaven was die and be raised up. So why did he have a crown of thorns on his head? He didn't need it in order to take you to heaven. A spear in his side. He didn't need it in order to take you to heaven. Or stripes on his back. He didn't need it in order to take you to heaven. Why did he go through these things? Because he also knew some of you would go through some hell on this earth. That it wasn't just a hell in the next life, but there could be a hell in this life of, of, of just pain in an area of your body. And God says, I love you enough not just to give you paradise in the next life, but to give you a taste of heaven in this life. That my will that is done in heaven is exactly my will that I want done in earth. And so the reason why Jesus still has these wounds and Jesus still has these scars is each one of them preaches us a message. Come on, church. Each one of them preaches us a message that Jesus is not just our Savior from hell, but he is our Savior from a lot of other things as well. And just like he saved us from eternity and darkness, he can save us from these things too. In the book of Isaiah, uh, we see Isaiah seeing what happened to Jesus uh, hundreds of years before it happens. And watch what it tells us about our Lord. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number one. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He being Jesus shall grow up before them as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It's talking about our Savior. He is despised and rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Let's just stop there. Do you see the crown of thorns there? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Why? Why did he have to be acquainted with grief and a man of sorrows? He is your substitute so that you would not have to. Jesus bore our pains, our sicknesses, our griefs, and our sorrows so that you and I could walk in freedom. He keeps going here. And it was, uh, he says at the end of verse three, that our faces were hid from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our, sorrow, our, our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we are like sheep that have gone astray. And we have turned every one his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can we look here in verse number five again? Just real quick. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I know everybody loves doing this in church, uh, and, uh, but if you could, for the sake of your own soul and my personal enjoyment, uh, could everyone repeat this after me? Uh, I know you love it, but let's just do this and watch what it does to your heart. Just say this with me. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. Jesus was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, oh, come on, church, with his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Because of Jesus, turning our eyes upon Jesus, looking unto Jesus. What are we looking at when we see him? We see a wounded Christ. Thomas, reach forth your hand, put it in my side. Reach forth your finger and put it in my hands. He still has his wounds. When we look unto Jesus, what are we seeing? We are seeing a wounded Savior. Why? Because each one of those wounds is designed to preach to us, I was wounded for you so that you would not have to be. Let these scars speak to you. You can be free. Let these wounds speak to you. This is how much I love you. Let these wounds speak to you. I not only love you enough to take your place, I loved you enough to take your place, and I did take your place because God is my Father. Jesus is my healer. Today at the end of service, we're gonna take communion, and I want you to notice what it says here in the book of 1 Corinthians. They'll put it up on the screen in chapter 11, verse 24. Paul was taught communion by Christ in a vision. Amazing. And this is one of the things that Christ told Paul to teach to the church. Uh, this is what Paul teaches us. And when he had given thanks, talking about Jesus, he broke the bread. He broke it. And said, take and eat, this is my body, notice this, which is broken, my body, which is broken for you. 
Why was his body broken? When you read, I don't know if some of you have ever done this, occasionally around Easter we'll talk about it, but when you read what this did to our Savior, how the cat of nine tells from a Roman centurion, what it would do to someone's physical body, it literally tore him apart. And when he is doing communion for the very first time, it is before this moment. When he's giving communion to his disciples for the very first time, it was before his broken body. And he's saying that after this moment, you are to take the bread and you are to break it. Why? You're to do it in remembrance of me. Well, what am I remembering? This is my body, which was broken. Why? For you. Why was it broken for you? To take you to heaven? No. He didn't have to break his body to take us to heaven. He broke his body so that your body would not have to be broken. He broke his body so that your body could walk in wholeness and soundness and peace because of the love of God. God is our father. Jesus is our healer. And a lot of people, I've heard it taught that you know what this verse is teaching us is he took these stripes on his back for our spiritual healing. That is a lie from the, from the pit of hell. In fact, in the New Testament, we see this completely just taught the other way, that this was not these stripes on his back were not for a spiritual healing. These stripes on his back were for a physical healing. Check out in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, and when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with the devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and notice, healed all that were sick. He healed them all. If they were sick, he healed them all. Why? Notice the next verse, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He's healing them physically because the stripes that were going on his back are symbolic of physical healing and not just spiritual healing. I want to encourage you all throughout the ministry of Jesus, you see Jesus healing them all. Check out this in the book of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities, all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many of you know God cares about every sickness and every disease? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's something little. Jesus cares about something little. It doesn't matter if it's something big. Jesus is big enough to heal even something big. And it doesn't matter if you've wrestled with something long. Jesus is big enough to heal it. Uh, in the, the book of Matthew, we see uh, Peter's mother-in-law. How many of you know Jesus is so loving? He even loves mother-in-laws. Uh, in the book of Matthew, we see uh, Peter's mother-in-law have uh, a fever. Jesus cared about the fever. Jesus cared about something as small as a fever. Do you take your fevers to Jesus? Jesus cares about fevers. Uh, in the book of Matthew, right? In the same uh, book, we see Matthew tell a story of where there was a, a man who had a daughter who died. And her death was not too big for Jesus. And he went into Jairus' daughter and he healed her. 
Uh, right at, in that story, you see a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. For 12 years, she wrestled with the same thing physically. We see Jesus care about that. And I want you to know, if, you, if you're wrestling with something little today, take it to Jesus. If you're wrestling with something big today, take it to Jesus. And if you've been wrestling with something for a long time, take it to Jesus because Jesus is a healer. Jesus is your healer, and God is our Father. Which, for me, asks a very interesting question. It's a question I've been asking myself all week and something I wanna ask you and something I wanna teach on. If God is a Father and Jesus is a healer, and we see all throughout Scripture where Jesus never, not one time, ever, 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 ever turned someone down for healing or ever, ever made someone sick. Never. You never see Jesus be like, and here's the flu to teach you a lesson, to honor your parents. Uh, like you never see Jesus ever use sickness or disease to teach someone a lesson. Why then are, are there people who are still sick? Why are there Christians who get sick? If, if God is our father and Jesus is our healer, uh, why is there sickness? And it's because there is an afflictor. God is your father. He is 100% your father. Jesus is the healer. But there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an afflictor. Uh, and this is very interesting to me, you know, as we, we teach on these things, that we see in the book of, of Luke chapter 13 uh, in verse number 16, something very interesting, and they'll, they'll put it on the screens. But we begin to see this theology kind of play out that there is an afflictor who brings sickness and disease, but it's not God. You, you see Jesus come in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10 and say what? I have come that you may have life to the full till it overflows, but there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and I want you to notice something. You see this thread all throughout scripture, and we see it here in Luke chapter 13 and verse 16. There was a woman that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, and people got mad about the healing. Isn't it amazing how people could get mad about a healing, try to fight the message of healing? But that's what they're doing here, and so Jesus is explaining, and watch what he says. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? Where was her sickness from? It was from Satan, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, do you see Satan doing the binding and Jesus doing the loosing? That it is not Jesus and God doing the binding, it is Jesus and God doing the loosening. And so any type of bondage, it's not found in Jesus. Loosing is found in Jesus. Bondage is found in Satan. Now this is not a one-off. You see this all throughout scripture. Check this out in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. They'll put it up on the screens. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing, notice, healing all that were oppressed of who? The devil. So notice when Jesus did healing, it wasn't just they were oppressed. This is important. It wasn't just they were oppressed with sickness. We know sickness is oppressive. We've seen it in our world for the past year and a half, how oppressive sickness can be. 
But notice, when you see sickness, it is not just sickness doing the oppressing. There is someone behind the sickness, and it is not God, it is not Jesus, it is the devil. The devil is behind that bondage that comes from oppression. And if your body today is held with some type of oppression, be it something little, be it something big, be it something long, if your body is held by any type of oppression, it is not God doing that oppression, it is the enemy, it is the thief, it is the devil, it is Satan, it is not God, God is your father, Jesus is your healer. Now the Bible teaches us in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So check out this word in the book of 1 John. Uh, they'll put it up on the screen in uh, chapter three and verse number eight. And he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this is the purpose of the Son of God. Now, what's the purpose of the Son of God? He says, I'm gonna tell you why Jesus came to the earth. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of who? The devil. So every time you see Jesus like opening up blind eyes or healing the paralytics or coming through and healing every sickness and every disease, what is he doing? He is destroying not the works of the Father God. He is destroying the works of the devil. And in each one of these cases, we see that there is a thief, but it is not God. And so if something has been stolen from you, if your health has been stolen from you or a loved one has been stolen from you, it was not God taking them so that he could have an angel in heaven. And it is okay to be mad over sickness and it is okay to be mad over death and it is okay to have some of those emotions that are associated with that. Just make sure you're mad at the right thing. Because it was not God who took anybody. It was not God who made anybody sick. It was not God trying to teach a lesson. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And it's okay to be mad. Let's just get mad at the devil and let's put him under our feet and go about doing some good of our own. In our lives, like we, we see the goodness of the Lord Jesus all throughout his ministry. And I want to encourage you that the Lord is good and his mercy, it endures forever. And I know in my own life that there are sins that, you know, the Lord confronted in my own life that as soon as he's shown his light in that area, by his grace, I was supernaturally set free. I mean supernaturally set free. You know why? Because God is a forgiver and Jesus is full of mercy. But there are other sins that the Lord may have shown even you in your life uh, that you did not beat instantly. In fact, they've been very repetitive and they've hung on you for a long time. Can I ask you a question? Does that make Jesus any less of a forgiver? Is it even possible to die in a sin and, and still see Jesus be a forgiver? Yes. Think about how many people may have had a situation that uh, they passed away suddenly before they had a chance to repent. Jesus' forgiveness is there and it is present. He's always a forgiver and our sin does not change the fact that Jesus is a forgiver. And in my own life, I have seen Jesus be a healer. And there have been things that I have seen God deal with supernaturally. 
that by the power of his mighty hand, I mean just immediately God came in like a flash and delivered people. I have been in Kenya and Zimbabwe and in Zambia and I have seen blind eyes open. I have seen the lame walk. I have seen people be set free by the power of God. Years ago, we had a guy who uh, came to the church for the very first time. Uh, he's a first time visitor, he had lung cancer. Uh, and his neighbors were Word of Life church members. They invited him to, to come to the church. And he came into the church and they asked for prayer at the end of the service. And I, I got up close to him and I could smell the cigarette smoke. Uh, and he had wrestled with lung cancer, like I said, and they asked him, how long do you have left? I asked him, how long do you have left to live? He said, the doctors have told me about two weeks. And I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, no. I put one hand on his chest, another hand on his back. And I felt the power of God go in him like I felt it. And there are times where I feel it and there are other times where I don't. But I felt the power of God go into him like the woman with the issue of blood felt the power of God come into her. I felt it leave. And I asked him, I said, did you feel that? And he was crying, I was crying. He's like, I did. I said, I think you got healed. He said, me too. And sure enough, that man went to the doctor, 100% cancer-free, 100% cancer-free. It was such a miracle. This is the truth. It was such a miracle that a sister flew in for, from Chicago just where we would lay hands on her. Uh, and it, it was just, it was amazing. I have seen people be healed instantly. I have seen just things lift off of people instantly. I have, I have talked to drug addicts who have been in our church, my father included, who when they were set free from drugs were set free instantly because Jesus is a deliverer. I have known other people. Amen. How many of you know Jesus is a deliverer? I've met other people that for years they wrestled with it. For years. For years they wrestled with it. It does not make Jesus any less of a deliverer. I have seen them through that become delivered and free. I have seen some people uh, through the process of time be healed in their physical bodies. I, I have seen some people die with addiction. I have seen some people die with disease. And I have seen some people die in sin. And each time it has broke my heart. But it does not make Jesus any less of a forgiver, any less of a deliverer, or any less of a healer. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always good. And if something is oppressing or something is harming or something is hurting, it is not Jesus, it is not God. God is the Father, Jesus is my healer, but there is a thief and it is time we call him out for who he is. We get mad at the right thing and we attack him with the word of God. This, this whole week, I, I really had the story of, and I'll close with this and we'll take communion and end in worship at both of our campuses. But I've had the story of the children of Israel in my heart so strongly. And really since the start of COVID in prayer, that was the story that just kept coming up in my heart of how long will we be in this and what would this all look like? And the, the, the story of the children of Israel just, just flooded my heart in prayer. And in looking at their story, we see God come to them and make exceeding great and precious, precious promises. I'm a God who is a redeemer, and I'm gonna buy you out of destruction. I'm gonna take you from Pharaoh, and you will no longer be a slave. 
I'm gonna take you into a promised land, a, a land that flows with milk and honey, and there will not be one weak or feeble among your tribe. I'm gonna reward you for all of your punishment and all of the things that were done wrong to you. I'm gonna redeem your life from that destruction, and I'm gonna see that be turned around in your life. I'll be a God who opens up seas, and a God who rains down bread, and a God who makes water come from a rock, and all the while, it's because I'm taking you to a promised land. He raises up Moses and leadership to take him. And sometimes as a pastor, this is exactly how I feel of like I, I've seen in my own life, I've tasted of the grapes and I've read in the, the book about a promised land that God said he wants to take us to. A land where he gives us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. A land where he pours in the balm of Gilead and heals the hurts that are in our heart and a land that where by his stripes we are healed and there is not one sick or feeble among our tribe. That I go through and I, I see those promises and like Moses, I try and I fight so hard to take them and take people into God's promised land. And I, I look at that story and there was a moment in the book of Numbers where Aaron passed away and this was someone that they all thought would make it into those promises and make it into that promised land. And he passes away in the wilderness. And right after this, it says that the children of Israel, they mourned for 30 days because they didn't see it going this way. They thought everybody was making it in. And in that story, right after his death, it says that the people's hearts got much discouraged because of the way. And, and that terminology of like, they got much discouraged because of the way, their hearts got much discouraged because of the way, and they began to forsake those promises. They began to think that the promised land would never happen, that it was just a dream, that God actually brought them out of Pharaoh's land for them to die right there in that wilderness, that this would be as good as it gets, and God, where are you? And they became incredibly accusatory of God, saying, God, you didn't bring us out here to take us into a promise. You brought us out here to die. It would be better for us to just go back to the world. Let's abandon our faith. Let's abandon our beliefs. Let's abandon church. Because all of this is a myth. These promises are not for us. Their heart became very discouraged and very downcast, and they began to want to walk away from Moses, walk away from leadership, walk away from, from the things of God, walk away from the Lord himself. And what's sad is that a lot of these people, they never got in the promises, and it wasn't because God didn't want them to. They just had these moments where they're listening to 10 spies tell them on a negative report instead of two lights coming in and telling them there are promises that are still great. It got so negative, the children of Israel got so negative that the two men who came back talking about those promises and Joshua and Caleb, they wanted to stone them for their positivity about what God said he would do and where he would take them. I'm telling us as a church that we have got to come back to these fundamental beliefs that Jesus is who he says he is. And we do not, we do not, we do not in any shape, form, or fashion say that that means that we won't go through hardships and tests and trials. We know that God gave us the armor of God because we are going into a fight, but we are ready for it. 
that there will be evil days and in those evil days we will stand with a helmet of salvation and a shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And I don't care what the, what's in the promised land from giants to anything else, here's what I do know. Here's what we know that we will be Joshua and Caleb's to our generation and say these promises still exist. In fact, we're tasting of the grapes right now. We have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living and we will be epistles that will be born and read by all men. And I'm asking you don't cast away your confidence. I'm telling you, you gotta look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. And that may mean that in the middle of a wilderness with fiery serpents all around you, you fix your gaze on a brazen serpent and believe that God is big enough. And I'm telling you, I know we live in a world where there's death and there's sorrow and there's pain and it seems like the snake is all around us. But I'm saying in the middle of that, Jesus is our brazen serpent and he is put on a pole called a cross. And we are called by God to look unto Jesus to be the perfecter of our faith. And in this life or in the next, there will come a time where God wipes away the tears from every one of our eyes. And we stand whole and complete in our promised land and in victory. And until that day, the just shall live by faith. And we look unto Jesus and we let his scars speak. Let me pray for you. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you in Jesus' name for the healing power of Jesus. Father, we thank you these scars speak and we thank you, Lord, that we do not have to walk in heaviness. We don't have to walk in depression. We don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live in bondage. We don't have to live with affliction. Whom you set free, Father, is free indeed. Not all of our campuses, and even online, I wanna encourage you, if you can, go find some elements. We're gonna take communion. And when we worship, we're just gonna have this moment where we, we take these elements. When you take of the, the bread, you break it before you eat it to remind yourself that this was Jesus' body that was broken for me. And his body was broken so that my body does not have to be. And take of that bread, and when you take it, you break it and you eat it. After the bread, you take the juice, and what you're reminding yourself with the juice is, is that in life, sometimes things do break, and sometimes we go through dry seasons, but by the goodness and the grace of God, Jesus, who started my faith, he will finish my faith, and he will turn what is dry, dry barren, and broken into something that is the sweetest season of my life. When we take the elements, we do not just eat them. We do them in faith, remembering the Lord Jesus. I'm gonna pray over the elements and then we'll go into worship at both of our campuses. Those of you online, you'll worship here with us at Lakeland. But let's just have a moment where we bless these elements. Father, we come before you and we thank you that your body was broken so that our bodies do not have to be. By your stripes, Father, we say we are healed in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that your blood was shed for us so that our sins could be forgiven. That Father, though our sins were red like scarlet, your blood has washed us and made us whiter than snow. And today, Father, we receive you as a promise keeper. With heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our campuses, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm so thankful you died for me. Your blood shed for me 
made me a child of God. God, you are my father. My past is washed away. And today, Father, I receive Jesus as my healer. The broken areas of my life, of my family, no matter how small, no matter how big, no matter how long, I thank you, Father. You are bringing healing to those areas. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you. Anything broken is being replaced by something sweet. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.